Psalm 23 is where I'm going to start here today. I might just read scripture. Or I might say something about it. Who knows? <laughs> just a um, theme of my heart today has been that God is good to us. That he hears us and that he is for us. Not against us. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's so good. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of, this is read a lot of times at funerals because it's, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But there's so much more to this verse, and I would unpack it today, but I'm, I'm probably not going to. We probably heard a thousand sermons on this verse alone. <laughs> but I just want to kind of concentrate here for a second. We were talking, I was talking about streams in the desert, rivers of living, I always, oh, I have a hard time with that one. Rivers of living water, not livers of living water. He literally takes us through a place of peace and rest and restores us because he is that river that's flowing through us. He prepares this table when there's enemies all around, when there's all things, stress in life, when there's things coming against your your kids or your family or yourself, your finances, whatever it is, there's things going on. And he has prepared a table before us when those little enemies are trying to steal away from what God has for us. God is right there saying, no, you sit down, you rest. Here, eat this food. Take care of your soul while I fight your battles. I was counseling my family member this weekend who's going through a tough legal battle. And I just reminded them that, you know what? God knows. Knew this was coming. Knows what to do. And has promised he'll fight your battle. He has not asked you to take up a weapon and start swinging out. He's not asked you to, to you know, do something to defend yourself. He has asked you to trust him. Now, obviously, she's got to put things in place, you know, if it's a legal battle, get a lawyer, whatever it may be, but it's not a place where she needs to walk in turmoil or terror at what's going to happen, because even if something bad does happen, God prepares a table before us in the midst of our enemies. He's got something good for us, and the enemy's going to have to repay for what he tries to take. <clears throat> And he promises us that he is with us. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He literally takes that rod and he 
beats back our enemies. He takes that staff and pulls us back in when we're getting too far away. That's because he's the God who delivers us, who is for us, who is with us. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I could even say in that verse, What shall I fear? Whom shall I fear and what shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I have to tell you something in that verse. He's not saying that I might be in heaven, because he's saying I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not that just he'll just hide in the temple of where the people worship, but literally that he will dwell. We've got two preachers today. <laughs> he's happy. It's true. Um, <laughs> yep. Grandma did it. So... We are, <clears throat> David is saying that I might dwell in the, pla- in the house of the Lord. That's a place in your heart. He has built his throne and throned himself upon the place of your heart that you might walk in every situation, whether good or bad, in every place you find yourself, in the grocery store, in the church, you know, at home, uh, out visiting family, uh, spending time with friends or doing hard work, whatever it may be. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, whatever's before you, you're dwelling in the place of the Most High, the secret place with God, that you are in His temple. And it's reminding ourselves that, yes, I'm stressed out right now, but hold on, I'm still in the temple of the Lord. Nothing has changed. God has not moved. I may have forgotten temporarily that the Lord's got me, that I'm in his strong tower. And that's why my heart gets fearful is when I forget. That's why David's reminding himself. I, dwell in the, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's reminding himself, and we need to do that. We need to remind ourselves, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. I'm reminding myself of God's goodness, his power to defeat my enemy. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I put before you that in your hardest circumstance, you can stop and behold the beauty of the Lord. It doesn't feel like it in the moment. You don't feel like it. We, if we went by our feelings, we'd probably drop dead quite often. We can't, we can't be based off of our feelings and emotions. We have to remember and remind ourselves and declare over ourselves that we know that we get to behold the beauty of God in every circumstance and every situation. And to inquire in His temple... 
For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. You know why it's an offer of sacrifice? <laughs> because when things really stink, when you got enemies all around, it doesn't, you don't feel like offering up joy to the Lord, allowing your heart to be joyful. When you're fighting a battle, it doesn't feel like a good place to be joyful. But we sacrifice our desire to stay like, oh, woe is me. We, 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 we sacrifice our grief on the altar and say, I'm going to pick up joy because the Lord is my strength and His joy is my strength. I will put on these garments of praise and I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I don't feel like it. I'm too embarrassed to do it. Everything in the world doesn't want me to pick up the joy and the, the song on my lips. It doesn't want me to have a joyful song in my heart. When things are going bad, I don't want that. Uh, maybe I want it, but it's not, it's not easy. But we can't, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to lift up a song to the Lord. Sometimes it's a struggle to just say, God, I know you've got me. I know I'm going to be okay. And I know that even more than okay, I get to have your abundance. This situation is really hard right now, but I know that you are for me. Just keep reminding yourself and declaring it. You are for me. And sing. Shout. Hey, go out to Otter Point. Make sure there's nobody else around. Or if they are, who cares? <laughs> Get down on your face before the Lord, and then rise up with a shout and say, God, you are for me, not against me. Get a little crazy. You know what? David got a little crazy when he was excited. You know, the key of David is basically unlocking our passion and doing those things that seem a little crazy because we can exuberantly praise the Lord because the things of his kingdom are not the same as the things on this earth. You know, everything that holds us down on this earth tries to draw us back to the dirt, right? That means we can't jump and shout and sing. It's too embarrassing. It's too, too much. And we all express God in different ways. Don't get me wrong. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. When the world turns its back on you, when those things that you thought were going to be your strength, when the people you put your trust in fail you, God is still faithful. He'll never forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. He'll never turn his face away from you. Your best friend in the world, your closest partner, your, the lover on this earth that you have, the you know, sons and daughters, they may turn away from you. They may forsake you. They may even fail you. 
They may be a disappointment even to you at times. But God will never turn away. You might get disappointed with him because you don't understand what's going on. But God will never turn away from you. He'll never forsake you. And there's nothing he can do that will really actually be a disappointment to you. He is good. And when those people turn away from you, the Lord will take care of you. And I think in this verse, in this little section here, it's, it's basically saying, you know, the New Testament, it really talks about we need to really love trusts and believes all things. So we need to believe and have faith for other people. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to disappoint us. It just means that when they're not faithful or when we're not faithful, God is faithful inside of you. And we keep on trusting and believing in the God that's inside of them to be faithful, because he is faithful to them too. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Then I would see the goodness, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Ah, I love seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will, shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up your hope. Don't give up hope that that loved one's not, you know, hasn't become a, a believer yet. Don't give up hope that you know, the Lord's going to take care of you. He's going to deliver you from whatever situation you find yourself in. Don't give up hope in healing. Don't give up hope for your pastor. Don't give up hope for your loved, you know, your beloved, your, your spouse or your children or grandchildren. There's somebody out there that maybe it feels like you want to give up because it's just like you've been crying out for so long and nothing has changed. I've got to tell you, breakthrough is coming. You are sowing seeds into the spirit realm for their souls. You are poor, crying out to the Lord, and he hears you. He will not disappoint. Other people may fail. They may not take up what the Lord wants to give them. But your father is working on your behalf. He sees the desires of your heart, and he wants to fulfill those desires because he puts them there. Unless it's just for a Cadillac, and then I don't know. I don't know what I have against Cadillacs, but... <laughs> okay. No. I like Mercedes. I don't like Cadillacs. That's probably why I use them. <laughs> Psalm 28. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you. When I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary, do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. I, I see this as a person. He's saying, Lord, stomp my enemies. I'm tired of this. Stomp my enemies. You know who your enemies are? It ain't people. Your enemy is the devil who has brought brokenness to this world. Stomp my enemies, God. 
They have nothing but evil in their heart. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. But blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and hear them, excuse me, and bear them up forever. Do you know that's a promise to you? He's, he's saying this as a prayer to God, but it's because God put it in his heart. And it's a promise to you. God will bear you up to forever. You are the inheritance of Jesus. You are his inheritance. He's not letting go of that inheritance. And this psalm is a psalm for today as it is for any other day. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So first of all, you're his children. Find your dwelling place in the, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the COVID that walks in the darkness. Oh, I mean, excuse me, pestilence. Pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near unto you. Excuse me, I jumped into Old King James. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge. Even the Most High, your dwelling place, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So the the Lord himself, speaking through David, is saying this verse. And it's funny, towards the end, it goes from like, the Lord shall deliver this person to he shall deliver me, and then back to it's me to him. It's this, this thing where... There's this culmination. So, you know that, that he shall dash his foot, put on, you know, shall not even dash your foot upon a rock. Satan said that to Jesus, and, you know, Jesus had his rebuttal and everything. This verse is about him. It's about Jesus. All these verses are about Jesus. It's saying, you know, Jesus is saying, the Lord is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my deliverer. I shall abide in the, in the place of the Most High. Jesus abides in the place of the Most High God forever. He's at the right hand of God. And through proxy, through propitiation of sins, through what Jesus is doing and living inside of you, walking out inside of you, we got the key to walk in that same anointing, that same blessing. 
Now, you might say to me, but James, I still get sick. I still get colds. And I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I'm walking in, in the Spirit. What's up with that? How come I still get colds? It says, no pestilence shall touch you, now come, nor come nigh unto you. And I could really honestly cop out and say, well, you know, spiritually, brother, spiritually you're not sick. Okay, we, we still get broken sometimes. So what's up with that? What's the answer here, guys? The answer is, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> we literally dwell, when we dwell in the place, when our focus is Jesus Christ, when we are dwelling in Him, when we are seeking just to love the Lord and be in the house of the Lord forever, the Father meets us in that place. He beats back all our enemies from us. He is our strength and our refuge. And even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though things come upon me, my physical body, nothing's going to touch my eternal spirit. Nothing's going to touch the presence of God inside of me. Nothing can take away the glory of God that's shining through me. Regardless of what happens to me in the physical man, Paul was beaten to death and then raised back up. Paul was stoned to death and raised back up. I think it probably hurt when he got hit with those rocks. I think it probably hurt when they beat him. I'm pretty sure Jesus was hurt when they were making him bleed beyond, and he was unrecognizable. I'm almost positive that hanging upside down on a cross probably doesn't feel good. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. So how can, how can someone say, these things shall not come unto me? Because you can't break the inner man that's in me as long as I will keep myself in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Amen. Broken things may come. Sickness, disease, all of that. Now, time out. We also know that even though these things come, we do have a God who is a healer. We do have a God who is a deliverer and a miracle worker. We do have a God who is powerful and strong. And He has given us, through His Son Jesus, showing us the way, He has given to us the Spirit of God to move through us, to work in us to literally bring salvation to all the land. And that salvation, a word sozo, means to make whole. Physically, as well as for your mind, your soul, right? Your mind, your will, your emotions, he can make you whole there. He's been working on that process for me for a long, long time. <laughs> He's also been working on my physical. Now, this is crazy. I'm a diabetic, you know, like a type 1 diabetic, I have no insulin in my body made by my pancreas, which means that my blood sugars could go through the roof, and if I didn't have insulin, there'd be nothing I could do about it but die horribly. What's the highest degree of insulin you can get? Highest my insulin yeah. or my blood sugar? My blood sugar? Yeah, that's right. Uh, 700 and something. Yeah, I remember we were praying for praying for him. He was that's wow. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, things come against us, right? Honestly, I expected the Lord to heal me years ago. Expected it multiple times. Multiple people have expected it. But it didn't come. And it's not for a lack of trying. It's not for a lack of believing. I just was like, I can't wrap my mind around this, God. But then I think back through the years, and when I was in high school, I would go to the store and buy a two-liter of diet Mountain Dew, drink it all, and I had enough money for that. It was 88 cents at, what was it, the little blue store, Albertsons. And then I would buy these two little hostess pies. And that was my lunch, because I had $3. Well, maybe $2. My blood sugars would spike out of control. I'd be doing shots and stuff. I'd be passing out in French class and then geometry, and I failed both those classes. No surprise there. It was horrible. My blood sugars were up in the three to five hundreds a lot. I should be dead right now, but I'm not. God's been good. And honestly, I've never passed out from blood sugar problems. Even when it was 700, I mean, I was pretty close. I was, you know, drooling on the table, but I've never had an episode where I couldn't wake myself up. God has been good to me. And in recent years, he's given me wisdom He's changed my diet. He's spoken to me about how to change my diet, what things I need to do to keep my blood sugars from going like this, keep my body healthy, work on the temple. I'm not, I haven't come to a perfect place yet. You can kind of tell, but I'm getting there. And he's also given me this insulin pump, $6,000 thing that I didn't have to pay for because the insurance already covered it. And all the supplies I've needed, all everything, he's taken care of me because I've put my trust in him, I kept thinking, but God, how can that be you? And he's like, I'm supplying for your need. Now, does, does that mean that maybe someday somebody's going to pray the prayer of faith and I'm not going to get healed? I don't know. I think maybe it will happen that way. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But I do know that I can trust in the God. He is my source and my supply. He's my refuge at all time. And no matter what happens to us in this physical realm, they can't touch what's going on inside your spirit. You have an eternal, you are an eternal being. You are a forever person right now. You are forever inside of of you. Whether you can do all the things you could do when you were 20 years old or not, your spirit is still capable of everything it was ever capable of when you were 20 years old. Your spirit goes on forever, and we are living from an eternal perspective that our God is supplying everything. He's taking care of everything because he has a purpose. One purpose that he has is he wants to partner with you and enjoy this life with you and help you to walk through this life with his purpose and from his vision, seeing from heaven's perspective. That there's a lot of people who don't get, haven't gotten to enjoy or know the Lord. He has given you the ability to reconcile people to himself. He has given you the ability to help people find healing inside their souls, inside their hearts. And I don't just mean people who aren't saved. I mean each other, people who aren't saved, relatives. He's given you all kinds of gifts. And family, he is a shrewd businessman. I don't say this lightly. He is a shrewd businessman. He has poured out into you blessing. He has poured into you his very presence, his spirit. 
His blood was shed for you for the remission of your sins and to give you the abundant life. And that life that is now lived inside of you, that God that rises up within you, that has given you everything, He wants to touch other people. He wants to touch you more. He wants to take you to levels you've never experienced before. And he wants to touch somebody else through your life. He wants to show you the joy of what it means to lead somebody to Christ. He wants, you to, show, he wants to show you the joy of what it means to sit there and have a word of knowledge from God as you're sitting at the table sipping your coffee and all of a sudden it comes on you. That waitress was raped when she was 13 and she's broken right now. And God wants to touch her. Okay, how do I approach that one? Hey, were you... Uh, <laughs> Assaulted when you were 13? (laughs) I don't think that's the way. But God gives us those little words of knowledge and says, hey, I feel like there's something in your life that hurt you. And I got to tell you, I'm a Christian, and the Lord just spoke this to me, and I just have to pass on the words that he gave me that he loves you. He doesn't see that as something against you. He wants to heal you from that wound, whatever it was, He wants to heal you. He wants to bring peace inside your heart. And he wants me to tell you that he loves you. And then when you're done with that conversation, she's off crying somewhere or just totally walks away from you or says, I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever it may be. Here's here's, Here's just some wisdom. If you come across that situation and you and your wife are sitting there at the table and they bring the bill and the bill is $25.93. Go down to that little section. It's right above the total. It says tip. Make sure you write a really big number in there. Not like one with big zeros. I mean, just like put a good size tip in that section or drops a pile of money on the table. After you've given the words of life from God to this person, don't be a cheapskate. Give them a good tip. Let them know that you really mean what you say. I have, I have seen people even go so far as to have a $25 bill and then they write down a $50 tip and said, God really loves you, right on the receipt, and then walk away. Because it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about how much my God wants to change your life. Can you imagine your younger years, before you came to Christ, if somebody had done that for you? Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody gave you a leg up, helped you out in life somehow? Now, that's evangelism, okay? We're also called not only to go into all the world, we're also called to make disciples. That means there's people you're going to see on a regular basis. Keep on blessing them. Keep on loving them. You don't have to give them $50 every time. Give them 10 bucks at the gas station, whatever it may be. Do, do something. Love them. Bring them something you made. Hey, do you like cookies? You do? Oh, great. Come back. I made you a a pile of cookies. You like cookies? Yeah, you want them? Okay, here you go. Oh, you're gluten-free? Go go home. Go on the internet. Gluten-free cookies that taste good. Make sure you put that taste good thing on there. (laughs) There's a lot of them that don't taste good. Then bake them and try them. Yeah, okay, that's pretty good. And then you take them. Hey, I made you some gluten-free cookies. There's no wheat in these whatsoever. Oh, that's awesome. 
Thank you so much. Do you know what you just did? You brought somebody cookies that really likes cookies and is like, man, this is so cool. I can't believe they thought of me. And they remembered. They remembered that I, don't, I can't have gluten. That's amazing. It opens up their mind. It opens up their heart. God is practical. He met people where they were at. Jesus was in there with the, he was in there with the prostitutes. He was in there with the tax collectors. All the people who were despised. Mind you, these people that were despised were the ones that these people who were despising them were using, right? I mean, some people were getting fat off of the uh, tax collectors and what they were gathering, but they still despised those people. Some of the guys in the town were going to the prostitutes and using them, but they still despised those people. But Jesus walked in there boldly, said, you have nothing in me that can corrupt who I am. I'm just here to love you, whoever you are, whatever you're doing. I'm here to love you right where you're at. And that's what he has called us to be. That is why he pours out these words, these things over us to say, you are my beloved, and nothing shall come and change that fire that's inside of you. 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. It's in the Bible. It's towards the end. 1 John 3.16 says... By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Remember that thing I said about the tip and the cookies? They will know that we love, love well. They will know we're his children if we abundantly love people practically. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are, the, we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. That's where you have to have a right perspective of who you are in Christ. Your identity in him is that you are a beloved child of God. You are a friend of God. As you get to know him more and more, you become his friend. We have confidence towards him. Whatever, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What is pleasing in God's sight? It's bringing the guy cookies. That's pleasing to the Lord when you, bring, you bake cookies and you think of somebody outside yourself. And you're... Going outside your comfort zone, you're leaving behind that comfort zone because you don't need the Holy Spirit comforter if you're in your comfort zone, right? If you're snuggling up in your bed, what do you need the Holy Spirit for? But if you're in your bed doing warfare, you need the comforter right there. If you're out there at the gas station, you're about ready to say something that the Lord really wants you to say, and you're frightened to death to say this to this person, you need the comforter. If you're going to say, hey, I noticed that your hand is really bothering you. Can I pray for you? You need the comforter. If you're about to say, hey, everybody, look over here. This person's about to get a miracle. <laughs> you're going to need the comforter. Because you just declared in front of God and everybody that the Lord's going to move. and You don't know that for a fact. You're just believing by faith. I'm telling you, be bold. 
Trust in the Lord to be your comfort. Boldly love others. Boldly love enough to love yourself and see past your flaws and see how good God is in you and how much He loves you and cares for you so you can see past the crap that holds us back. Look past our own, how we feel good about ourselves even. Like, like if, if we're unrightly seeing ourselves as so amazing, put it aside and, you know what, I know Christ and I love Him and I want to suffer for Him. So how do you suffer, Lord? And He says, I'm suffering because I love these people and I so want to reach out and touch them. And I need you to move. I need you to move out of the way. Let your, your fear in your flesh get it out of the way so I can move, so I can love you, so I can move beyond your cage bars and nothing can hold him back. You break down the bars that are holding back his love. I know I'm going long. I'm sorry. One last thing. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. 4. You are, God, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He is not of God and does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because we ha- he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, ab- God abides in him and he in God. We have known and believed the love of God that ha- he has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Excuse me. And this commandment we have from him, that we, he who loves God must love his brother also. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your loving kindness. Thank you for just being here today, meeting us where we're at. I just pray that in the hearts of every person here, in the spirit of every person, the seeds of joy and love and knowing who we are would be planted. God, that you would show us that bountiful table you have set before us. God, that no matter what's going on before us, you would show us, Father, how you've set this bountiful table for our blessing, for our ability to be fit, that we would be able to give of your table. You have invited so many to your table, God. 
I just pray that we would send the invitations out, that we would be the ones who show them what the bountiful blessing of the Lord looks like, what that table, how desirous it is that they would want to come to sit at the table with us, God. Lord, let your overwhelming peace be upon our hearts. And Lord, would you build love in this place? In Jesus' name, amen.